0: Section 6 of My Strange Rescue. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. My Strange Rescue by James MacDonald Oxley Tobogganing. If skating be the poetry of motion, and who shall say no, tobogganing is certainly the perfection of motion. There is nothing of a kind to surpass it in the world. For coasting, however good, is not to be mentioned in the same breath with this glorious sport. No previous acquaintance with fast-going, speeding along behind the fast-trotter, or over the shining rails at the tail of a lightning locomotive would prepare you for the first shoot down a regular toboggan slide. The effect upon a beginner is brightly illustrated by the replies of a fair American who made her first venture at the Montreal Carnival. Arriving safely at the bottom after a particularly swift descent. She was asked how she liked it. Perfectly splendid, she gasped, as soon as she recovered her breath. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Then, of course, you'll take another. Oh no, indeed, not for the entire universe. But she did, all the same, and soon became as enthusiastic all the fun as any of her Canadian cousins. All ages and all sorts and conditions of people toboggan in Canada. Indeed, if you were to ask, what is the national winter sport of the New Dominion, the answer would infallibly be tobogganing. In no other country was it ever known, until within the past few years, when such accounts of its delight have gone forth that it bids fair to come into common use wherever there is snow enough to permit it. While it can be enjoyed, to perfection only at the slides specially prepared for the purpose, any smooth sharp slope with a bit of level plain at its foot well covered with snow having a good hard crust affords the means for fine sport. The advantage of the artificial slide is that it can be kept constantly in order and therefore may be in first class condition for sliding when the snow is altogether too soft and deep upon the hills. These slides are to be seen in every part of Canada. The Gaunt framework rising up tall and stiff out of some level field or better still upon a hilltop thus securing a double elevation they are roughly yet strongly constructed of beams and boards and comprise one or sometimes two long throws placed side by side with a flight of stairs adjoining these troughs are curved in the shape of a cycloid and are from three to five feet wide, and length of course varying with the height of the structure when winter has finally set in they are paved with big blocks of ice from bottom to top over which loose snow is scattered, and then abundance of water poured on until Jack Frost kindly assisting. The whole is welded together into one solid, substantial mass. A slide, once properly prepared and kept in order by the addition of a little more snow and water now and then, will last all winter, and the more it is used, the faster and truer it becomes. In the grounds of Rideau Hall, the official residence of the Governor-General of Canada, their are two immense lights, and tobogganing may there be enjoyed in full perfection. Let us suppose we have been invited to one of those brilliant torchlight fêtes, which form so popular an item in the programme of the viceroy's winter hospitality. A more beautiful scene than that which lies all around and underneath us when we have accomplished the toilsome ascent of the steep slippery stairs of the toboggan's light can hardly be imagined. Stretching away from the narrow platform upon which we stand, two long double lines of flaring torches mark out the slides slanting sharply downward until they reach the level far below and then run off to hide their endings somewhere in the dusky recesses of the forest. At our left, another line of torches, interspersed with Chinese lanterns, encircles a gleaming mirror upon whose surface the skaters glide smoothly this way and that, while from its center, looking oddly out of season, it must be confessed, a maple flaunts its rainbow ribbons. A little further on, the long, Low circling rink, gaily decorated, proclaims good cheer from every lighted window. Turning to our left, we catch through the trees a glimpse of the ever skating pond with its ice palace for the band and quaint lock hot for tired skaters. Right in front of us, a huge bonfire blazes up, making music with its merry crackling but we have lingered too long in taking all this in we're stopping the way and an impatient crowd is pressing hard upon us let us place our toboggan then carefully in the center of the groove adjust the cushions coil up the cord and seat ourselves securely with stout grasp upon the handrail ready! cries the steer Aye, aye, we reply, giving the pogogan a strong shove, he springs on behind, with foot outstretched for rudder, and the next instant, well, the only way to describe what follows, is that we just drop into space. We don't simply coast, for so steep, so smooth is the descent, that we are not conscious of having any connection, whatever with the solid earth. For at least twenty-five yards, and then with a bump and rattle and scrape of hard wood against still harder ice, we speed like an arrow through lines of flashing light and rows of open-eyed onlookers until full four hundred yards away we come gently to a stop in the soft deep snow amid the trees. The ordinary toboggan is made in the following fashion. Three strips of birch or bass wood, a quarter of an inch thick and from 4 to 8 feet long by 8 or 9 inches broad, are put side by side and held in position by cross pieces placed about 2 feet apart, the whole being bound tightly together by lashings of gut for which grooves are cut in the bottom so that they may not be chafed by the snow. The thin end of the strips is then turned up and over like the dashboard of a sleigh and secured by strong pieces of gut tied under the first cross piece. A long thin pole on either side made fast by loops to the cross pieces for a handrail. A comfortable cushion stuffed with straw, shavings or wool and the long cord are then added and behold your toboggan is complete as may be guessed from the use of gut for fastenings the toboggan is an indian invention and was in use among the red men as a means of winter conveyance for centuries before the white man saw in it a source of delightful amusement it is doubtful if the Indian way of making tobogans can be much improved upon, although within the past few years pale-face ingenuity has been exerted toward the end. The peculiarity of the new tobogans consists in narrow hardwood slats being used instead of the broad thin boards and screws in place of gut lashings. For my own part, I prefer the old-fashioned kind. The new fangled affairs are no faster, are a good bit heavier, more liable to break and being much stiffer, have not that springy motion which forms so attractive a feature of the others. A third kind, just now making its appearance, has the hand ray held some inches high by means of metal sockets. And the front is gathered into a peak while it too is put together with screws. The higher handrail is unquestionably an advantage, and if it proved durable, will probably render this last style very popular in choosing a toboggan. You must be careful to select one whose width is straight gained and as free from knots as possible precisely as a cricketer would choose his bat the cross pieces should be closely examined for they have to endure severe strains and will be sure to snap if there is a weak spot in them then the good lashings ought to have close inspection especial care being taken to see that they are well sunk into the wood along the bottom so as to be safe from chafing where the gut has given way i have substituted strong brass wire with very good results after once it was drawn tight enough but this i found no easy matter having selected a toboggan to your satisfaction the next thing is to cushion it the cushion should run the whole length and be not less than two inches thick Good stout furniture wrap stuffed with excelsior makes a capital cushion although some prefer heavy rug material and extravagant folk even go the length of fur trappings. The cushion must be well secured to the handrail or it will give trouble by slipping off at the first bump. As to the management of a toboggan. It is not easy to say much more than that it requires a quick eye, a good nerve and strength enough to steer. There are several ways of steering. One is to sit with feet turned up in front and guide the machine by means of sticks held in the hands. Another is to kneel and employ the hands in the same way. Then some very daring and reckless fellows Will venture to stand up and using the cord as reins, go careering down the slope with the danger of a tremendous tumble every moment. The most sensible and effective way of all, however, is to sit sideways, having one leg curled up underneath you and the other stretched out behind, like the steering oar of a hailboat, Yankee fashion, as it is called in Canada. This mode not only gives you perfect control of your toboggan, but has the further and very important advantage of making it easy for you to roll off and acting as a drag bring the whole affair to a speedy stop in the event of danger appearing ahead. More than once have I escaped what might possibly have been serious injury at the cost of a little rough scraping over the snow. From two to six people can sit comfortably on a toboggan according to its length. The perfect number is four, a man at the front to bear the brunt of danger and ward off the blinding spray of snow, two ladies next and then the steerer bringing up the rear and responsible for the safety of all. Ah, me, but what a grand thing it is to be young enough to thoroughly enjoy the pogonian season. The toboggan has many advantages over a sled, such as is used for coasting. Wherever a sled can go, a toboggan can go also, while on many a hill that offers splendid tobogganing, a sled would be quite useless. Again, it is much lighter than the sled, which means that you do not have to work half so hard for your fun. A third advantage is its safety, more especially in the hands of children. It has no sharp, iron-shot ends to make ugly gashes in little legs. The begoning has its perils, of course, and it, and I might, if I chose, tell some experiences that would perhaps cause a nervous thrill. But what sport is absolutely free from danger? And since Mark Twain has earned the gratitude of us all by proving that more people die in their beds than anywhere else, why should the most timid be deterred by the faint possibility of peril from enjoying one of the finest and most healthful winter amusements in the world? End of section 6